Well, good morning, happy new year. I'm really glad that you're here with us, whether you're with us in person for worship or you're joining us online. Thank you so much for being with us to start the new year. As we start 2023, I wanna invite you to consider a question. It's simple, but it might be profound. And it is this, are you good with directions? Maybe a better ask, do you think that you're good with directions? <laughs> if you're like me, I'm constantly having to assure people in my car that we're actually just taking a scenic route. Everything's under control, we're gonna be fine. Uh, I'm terrible with them. But it turns out that actually all of us are pretty bad with directions. Back in the 1920s, some researchers ran tests to determine how well human beings can, can orient themselves based on their internal senses alone. So, so what they did was in their first experiment, they blindfolded a guy and set him in an open field and just asked him to walk in a straight line. Super simple, should be pretty easy, just walk in a straight line. But here's the path that the blindfolded man actually took. <laughs> he ends up going in circles and he ends up hitting this tree stump and the experiment is done for him. But the whole time he thought he was walking in a perfectly straight line based off of his internal senses. Next experiment, they blindfold somebody, uh, ask them to swim in a straight line in a lake. Super simple, straight line in a lake, but this is the path that the swimmer takes when they're swimming in a straight line in the lake. But maybe the problem is that we just need the right machinery, the right technology to, to correct our direction problem. So what the researchers did was they, they blindfolded a guy, put him in a car, and put the car in an open farm field and just asked him to drive in a straight line. Surely just hold the steering wheel straight and you'll be fine, right? Except here's the path that the driver takes when he's driving in a straight line, blindfolded, right? Not even close. We have a tendency within us as human beings, and scientists actually don't know still what the cause of this is, but, but if we're blindfolded, if we have no sense of where we're going, we will always go in some kind of cycle. We actually can't go in a straight line. We have a tendency to go somewhere we don't mean to go, and think we're going the right way. So maybe you and I should be more suspicious of the direction we think we're taking with our lives. Suspicious of our certainty on our orientation of where we're going. Where are you going with your life? Where are you going? When we ask that question in the 21st century, we almost are always thinking about vocation or career path. Like what kind of job do you wanna have? Where are you going? But in the biblical worldview, to ask where are you going with your life has nothing to do with the path of your career and everything to do with the path of your character. So to ask in the biblical worldview, where are you going, is the same as asking who are you becoming? So what if you asked yourself that question? Do you know who you're becoming? Do you know where you're going in life? Is there a chance that you might think you know where you're going and who you're becoming, but in reality, you're actually caught up in a cycle? Thinking you know where you're going, but you're actually heading the wrong way, becoming somebody you never meant to become and not even aware of it. Proverbs 14:12 gives us this ancient wisdom. It says this, there is a way, a path that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. There's a way that will seem right to you and I. We think we're pursuing life. We think we're pursuing goodness. We think we're being fulfilled. But the whole time, we're following a path that steals life. See, our direction problem, it matters to God because there really is a way that leads to life, that leads to connection with other people, that leads to connection with God. But it is so easy 
to think we're going that way, but actually be going in a different direction, in a way that steals life, that causes disconnection, disconnection from God, disconnection from other people. And here's the tough thing about our direction problem. It always starts really, really small. It starts so small and subtly in our lives. So maybe for you, you can think back on the year 2022, or you might want to broaden the the scope of time. Maybe you want to go back to the beginning of COVID or some other season of life where you endured really significant stress or anxiety or suffering. Are there things that you did, new patterns, new paths that you thought were taking you to life to cope with those realities, but have actually been creating patterns that destroy life? For you, that might mean that you're looking for an escape from stress or anxiety. And so you start playing the one more game. Just one more drink. Just, just one more hour on my phone. Just one more hour streaming shows. Not, not to have fun, but I, I need that one more thing because I don't want to have to think. I don't want to have to talk. I don't want to have to feel. And eventually that little escape, that little coping can turn into a cycle can take you somewhere, it becomes the direction of your life, and you become a different person, a person that you never meant to become. Here's the thing, our direction problem is always felt internally. We can sense it. We can sense that something's wrong, even if we think we're going the right direction. There's something awry internally, but, but our direction problem is always expressed relationally with other people. So if I can be real with you this morning, there's a way, a pattern, a way that I've been taking in my life for the past several years that that has to do with the way that I address my frustration, usually over really simple things that I do, my anger, my frustration at myself. And it's going to sound silly at at first, but I'll like knock over a cup of coffee at our house and you would think that the Chiefs lost the Broncos. Like it's so like my my reaction is is incommensurate with what just happened. And everybody in your house is kind of like, just build a cup of coffee. Why are you freaking out? And it's, it's a little bit funny at first, but, but what's happening is I'm going a direction, I'm creating a pattern of my response when things don't go my way. And our kids see that. And they start to think, is this how I'm supposed to act when things don't go my way? If I spill something? See, the direction I'm taking always with my life always expresses itself relationally. Another way that I do it is by constantly wanting the approval of other people, to curry favor with them, to win their affection. And again, that might seem benign at first, but what happens, it starts small. I end up compromising on things that I should say, but I don't say because I want to win somebody's approval. Or maybe I'll say things that I really shouldn't say, but I want to win somebody's approval. And so slowly, the direction of my life, I think I know which way I'm going. I think I know which, what I'm becoming, but I'm going a different way, a way that leads to destruction a way that is not helpful or life-giving for other people. I become more anxious and more uneasy and want to fill those voids, and the cycle continues. How do you know if you're going the wrong way, if there's a pattern within your character that's taking you away that maybe you didn't realize you were going? Two diagnostic questions, questions that I frankly need to ask myself. The first is this. What parts of your character, the patterns of your life, the cycles are you in, are not up for conversation with other people? That's a hard one for me to talk about. What are the things that if somebody who loves you and cares about you, they try to bring it up, you say, I don't want to talk about that. That's not up for discussion. I don't want to look at where I'm going there. If you've got something like that in your life, there's a really good chance that your wrong way is right there. Another question 
is this. How would other people describe the direction of your life, the character that you have, the patterns, the person that you're becoming? Not the people you're trying to win approval from or curry favor with, but people like your kids, your roommate, your close friends, the people who see an unedited and unfiltered version of you. What would they say about who you're becoming? See, Jesus cares about the direction of our lives. It matters to Jesus. It matters enough for him to call us out on it and invite us into a different path, a different way. That's exactly what Jesus does at the beginning of his public ministry. What we're gonna do to start 2023 is just look at the very first recorded words of Jesus in the gospel according to Mark. And we're just gonna dig into what Jesus says, two sentences, and we're gonna see how Jesus addresses our direction problem and invites us in a new way. Here's how Jesus starts his public ministry in the gospel according to Mark. He says this, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the gospel. So straightforward, two sentences. When we dig into these two sentences, these first recorded words of Jesus in Mark, we're gonna find out that Jesus is very concerned with where we're going with our lives, who we're becoming. But notice with me that Jesus does not begin his ministry by addressing where you and I are going. He starts by addressing where God's kingdom is going. The time is fulfilled. The time is fulfilled. There's an ancient promise, God's people longing for their king to come on the scene. And Jesus is the king who is with us, who fulfills that ancient promise. It's what we celebrated over Christmas. The king is here. God's plan to restore all things, make all things new is underway. So Jesus is talking here not as another teacher, not as just another guide for living a happy life. He's speaking as the king who's fulfilling the ancient promises of God. And as he does that, he talks about the kingdom of God coming near. What does Jesus mean by that? Well, to understand what Jesus means, we have to first unpack what does it mean by the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? Is the kingdom of God just a place where good people go to escape our broken, messed up world so they can be happy? Well, not exactly, right? Because Jesus says that the kingdom of God has come near. He's saying that God's kingdom is moving. When we read the word kingdom in the Bible, it is a dynamic or verbal noun. It's kind of like the ways we use the word run or throw in English. It carries a sense of movement. So the kingdom of God is the movement of the infinite and personal God who's entering world history, who's entering our personal stories. So the kingdom of God is the movement of God's reign, his rule, his priorities of love and justice and peace and truth and beauty, life the way that it's meant to be under his good reign. That means that to enter the kingdom of God is not to hop in an escape pod and get out of the messed up world. To enter the kingdom of God is to submit your life to the reign and rule and movement of King Jesus. The kingdom of God is near. It's coming for you and coming for me. And out of the gate, Jesus corrects a, a big misconception that you and I can have about Christianity, about his kingdom, about the gospel. It's really easy for me to think that Christianity is just a method to get right with God so that I can get what I want, so that I can be comfortable, so that I can go through life with God on my side and be happy. 
It's almost like I treat Christianity like the pool at a country club. Now, it's not like there's anything wrong with a pool at a country club, right? But, but think about what happens if we treat Christianity like that. That means that the goal is to get in, to be admitted, and to be comfortable, to be undisturbed. The goal is for us to be able to be passive and not really have to do much. The goal is our comfort. But here's the danger of country club Christianity. It puts a huge do not enter sign for any sense of transformation, for any sense of growth, for any sense of change. Transformation is not welcome in country club Christianity. God can make no demands on my life. In fact, if anything, I'll end up making some demands on God so that he can make my life a little bit better. And when I live that way, that means that when anytime I read the Bible, it's got to end with me feeling happy and good about myself. When I come to public worship, to worship with God's people, I have to feel entertained. I want to leave feeling good because it's about me feeling comfortable. Jesus has no authority to tell me how life works best because you know what's never addressed in country club Christianity is the way that we're going. The direction problem is always off the table. If that's what Christianity really is, I can go any way I want, I can become whoever I want, even if it leads to death and destruction, even if it leads me away from King Jesus. If Christianity is like a country club, there's a do not enter sign for transformation. But, but there's another layer to that. For, for some of us, when we think about Christianity, if it's like a country club, we think that there's a do not enter sign for us. So when you think about what church is, what Christianity is, you feel like you're not welcome because you're not good like church people. And you feel like God's kingdom movement could never possibly intersect with your life. And if that's you, I just I wanna point you to Jesus's words. The kingdom of God is not a place for good people to escape to. It is the movement of God coming into our world to rescue people who need to be saved. That means that there's a big welcome in sign for all of us. Christianity is less like a country club pool, and it's a lot more like this. This is footage of a surfer surfing the largest wave in the Guinness Book of World Records back in 2020. You almost lose him in the bigger movement of the wave. It's 86 feet high. It's dangerous. It's not necessarily safe or comfortable, but he's moving. He's wrapped up in a powerful movement that is glorious, that's bigger than something he can ever do on his own. He can't be passive or he won't make it. The kingdom of God is like that. God is drawing you and I into the movement, into the wave of his kingdom, and we can't be passive when we respond to it. And that makes sense out of Jesus' invitation in Mark 1.15. The kingdom of God is here, so what does Jesus say we're to do? Repent and believe in the gospel. That's it. That's what Jesus is saying is the, the response that we're to give to his kingdom movement. But we need to camp out on the word repent because I think for a lot of us, the word repent might be a dirty word in church. It might be the dirtiest word in church, especially if we've been shaped by, informed by a country club view of Christianity. Repentance in the Bible is this idea of changing your mind. That's what the Greek word literally means, to change your mind. But repentance is far more than just a cognitive intellectual exercise. It's changing your mind so that all of who you are can change, so the direction of your life can be changed. 
Biblical repentance is a direction word. Repentance has to do with where we're going in our lives. Let's get a glimpse of it in Acts 11. Let's see what is said about repentance. God has granted repentance that leads to life. So a big misconception that we can have is that repentance is just this burden that fuels shame. That's all it's for. Maybe we've been wounded by other people who have used repentance as a punching bag in our lives, right? But, but the Bible's actually saying that it's a gift. It's something that God has granted, that God gives by his grace. And repentance is a gift that doesn't lead to shame or worthlessness. It leads to life. Repentance, changing the direction of our lives to align with God's kingdom, it renews us. It renews our humanity. It restores our lives, life the way that it's meant to be. So repentance is embodying all those kingdom values of God, his love and his truth, his goodness, his righteousness, his beauty and his peace. Later in Acts 26, the apostle Paul says that all people should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. It's something for all people, irreligious people and religious people, whether you've been in church for 40 minutes or for 40 years. It's a process that we keep with, continually being renewed in it. And so it's easy to think that I'm growing as a Christian, I'm a mature Christian, if I'm repenting less and less. But in the biblical view, you know you're growing as a Christian and following the way of Jesus if you're repenting and keeping with repentance more and more. That flips it upside down, doesn't it? And notice that repentance, again, it's not just an intellectual exercise. It has to do with performing deeds, the actions, the patterns of our lives. It's not just ideas that change, but it's us that change. So our eyes, the way we use our eyes, our ears, our hands, our mouth with our words, the habits that once took us one way, and repentance, they take us a different way. They take us God's way because the wave of his kingdom is drawing us into where his kingdom is going. That's what repentance is. Repentance is a gift from God that creates life. It's a gift that it's not just running from something though. Look what Acts 26 says later, that it's turning to God. Repentance is turning to our maker. It's not just a big game of playing defense against sin. It's going on offense and pursuing our creator. It involves a proactive, intentional movement toward him, toward him himself. Not what he can give us or get for us, but it's life lived toward God. Turns out that the way that we're meant to go in life is the way that leads to him. Repentance, changing the direction of our lives, is a gift from God. It renews us, it restores us. It takes us back to our creator. So here's what the Bible's saying, that that the movement of God's kingdom, his movement toward us, creates new movement within us. It takes us somewhere different. If that's what repentance is, then how does it happen in our lives? Well, first, we have to recognize those wrong ways we're taking, the the ways that might seem right at first, but in reality, they're taking to a way that takes us further from God. And because we're so, so confident of ourselves, so often we need other people to help us see the wrong ways we're taking. For me, the person who's been best at that the last 10 years for me has been my wife. So if we're at home and I spill the cup of coffee and I start to freak out, I start to boil up inside and get mad at myself, she's able to reorient me and remind me that I don't have to go that way. There's this other way I can go because God's kingdom's on the move. There's a new way I can pursue. 
And when that happens, it changes not just me and my relationship with God, it changes our family so that our kids get to see the messy, very imperfect process of turning toward Jesus. Not some fake version of perfection of me putting on a show. It's messy and it's imperfect, but they get to see somebody depending on Jesus, moving toward Jesus. And there are other people in my life that do that too. So they're friends and mentors who have permission to call me out when they see that the way I'm going might not align with the movement of God's kingdom. So if they can recognize that, man, I'm seeking the approval of other people, I'm compromising with my words and my actions because I want to get approval from other people, they have permission to ask me, Jeff, how are you really doing? I know, I know what's going on, but how are you really doing? What do you really want? And I need people to ask me that because so often there are little subtle ways that my life becomes misaligned with the movement of God's kingdom. And I need to be reoriented. I need other people. And I don't usually like it at first, to be honest. I usually hate it at first. But it turns out it's a gift that creates life. Who in your life has permission to help you see the wrong ways you might be taking, the patterns, who you're becoming? Who has permission to see who you really are? What if for 2023, you, you cultivated a relationship with just two or three people and, and you became a community of repentance, of reorienting your lives because God loves you, because he's giving you the gift of repentance? And you just see where God takes you. And then at the end of the year, you can look back and, and say, gosh, where's God taking us? His kingdom has been moving in our lives and we've been trying to recognize that. Who have we become? And you can celebrate in God's grace together. But, but remember, repentance is more than just running from sin. It's also reorienting and proactively pursuing God and godliness. And, and the way that that looks, that reorientation will be different from person to person, right? Because we're all in different places. So for you, maybe if you're unsure what you think about Jesus and his kingdom, repentance might begin with something as simple as exploring who Jesus is. So maybe you read the gospel according to Mark. And you just dive in and explore who Jesus is, what he says about God's kingdom. You get together with somebody throughout the course of this year and you see how God moves. Others of us have maybe been around church for a long time, maybe years, but there's still areas of our lives that we've not submitted to King Jesus and his movement. We've been filling a seat for a year, but, but as we've been filling seats over the years, our spiritual lives are more and more empty. If that's you, the path to repentance might be as simple and profound and radical as asking somebody for help. Just asking for help from a friend, from a mentor, your spouse, a small group leader, somebody who cares about you, that you trust. And maybe for you, if, if the way of your life has been shaped by circumstances that are really challenging, really difficult, like addiction or divorce, I wanna specifically invite you to reach out to somebody on our care team. You can just email careministry at thecrossingchurch.com. There's an awesome team of people there who would love to explore with you what it would look like for God's kingdom to not only move towards you, but also in your life. God's kingdom is moving towards you. He wants it to work in your life, but that process is not overnight and it's not simple and it's not easy, right? It takes proactive, proactivity, it takes a community of vulnerability one day at a time. Not overnight, but one day at a time, the new direction of your life will make you into a different person because God is the one whose movement is coming for you. And not only you, but other people will be drawn to that movement. And it's glorious. 
But here's the tricky bit. There are two big barriers that can keep you and I from that movement, that wave of God's kingdom heading for our lives. It's pride and shame. So, so pride makes us say, I don't think I want King Jesus or his kingdom moving in my life. I think I'm okay with the way I've got, even if it leads to destruction, even if it leads away from Jesus. Shame says there's no way that Jesus would possibly want me in his kingdom. Too messed up. I've been going the wrong way for too long. Because of those two realities of pride and shame, we need to remember the second half of Jesus' invitation. Because he doesn't just say repent. Jesus says, repent and believe the gospel. To believe the gospel is to believe the good news that Jesus is the king who's bringing his kingdom into our world and our lives. That Jesus is the king who's victorious over sin and death. And so the gospel destroys our pride because it says that, no, life is actually not about my rule and my reign and my kingdom. It's about Jesus's. I'm submitting my life to his movement. And the gospel does damage to shame because it says that God's kingdom movement is not something that I earn, but that God's kingdom was heading toward me before I even took one step toward him. It's only by his grace. That's the kind of king that he is. That's what we need. The gospel is the true story of the king who's coming for us, of a father coming to rescue his children. You may have seen this image. It's from back last summer. It's the story of a father embracing his son. It was taken in China. And it obviously is a really powerful, moving scene here as the father hugs his son. But what makes it even more powerful is to know the story behind it. This is the first time that the father has seen his son in 24 years. 24 years prior, his son as a toddler was taken from their home by a stranger. And most people considered him gone for good. But not the father. The father got moving after his son. And he went after him. The father traveled for 24 years looking for his son. He traveled over 300,000 miles. He went through 10 motorcycles, and it, it cost him. Not only did he go for 24 years, but he was sleeping under bridges. He was begging for money. There were people who were trying to take stuff from him. They would break his bones, and he kept going for 24 years to find his son. Why? It, it, the father had an interview with a Chinese newspaper years before they were reunited. They asked him, why are you doing this? Here's what the father said. He said, it's impossible for me to stop. It's impossible for me to stop going after my child because I love him. Don't you see, that's just a glimpse of a sliver of a glimpse of the good news of the gospel of Jesus. That's just a sliver of it. It's impossible for God to stop coming for his children. You might be here this morning and you feel like, I don't know if God would want anything to do with me. It's impossible for him to stop. You might think that the patterns of your life are too messy, that your doubts or your pain or your past are too big for God's kingdom movement. It's impossible for him to stop. No matter where you are now or where you've been going or who you've been becoming, Jesus is the king who loves you, who moves towards you. Jesus was moving towards you when he went to the cross to take your sin upon himself and reunite you, reunite you with your creator. He's the king who's going after you when he left behind the empty tomb to bring resurrection life and resurrection reality into our world. Jesus is the king who moves towards you because his spirit is at work now stirring your heart and mind to long for him and his kingdom. 
Jesus wants to draw you into his kingdom movement and it's impossible for him to stop. He won't stop. As we look ahead to the new year, I wanna invite you just for a couple minutes to, to reflect with me and pray for how God's kingdom movement might be heading for your life. So if you just close your eyes and, and reflect and pray with me, let's do that now. Think about the ways that, that God's kingdom, his goodness, his love, his peace, his truth and beauty might be coming for your life. What are ways that you might be going the wrong way with your life now? Ways that need to be recognized, cycles or patterns where you're becoming somebody you never meant to be. How is Jesus inviting you to reorient your life because his kingdom is coming for you and it's impossible for him to stop? Who do you need to connect with in this year? Because you don't have to keep going that way. God's inviting you to a different way. Who do you need to connect with to be reoriented to the heart of the king? God, would you continue to move in us and toward us and reorient our lives toward your kingdom movement? As you continue to reflect, think about how Jesus' invitation his movement might go through your life this year to reach other people. How would it impact your home, your workplace, your sports team, your classroom, your roommates? How does Jesus wanna work through your life this year? God, would your kingdom continue to move in us so that others can see it, be drawn into it too? Would you change our homes and our workplaces, our schools, our neighborhoods. God, would you change our community because it's impossible for you to stop coming after us. We need you. We need your kingdom. God, let your kingdom come and fill our lives so that it can fill your world for your glory. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you would please stand if you're able to receive God's blessing going into the new year. For our passage, Mark 1.15. May you move forward in this new year knowing that King Jesus is here and that he is on the move. May his kingdom move toward your life and in your life and through your life. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us. Happy New Year.